I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we spend some time catching up. We share something that we have loved recently that we want to recommend to you because we think you'll enjoy it too. And then we go on to discuss a topic that we think is really relevant and that a lot of people might be thinking about or hearing about, but maybe aren't actually having a full discussion about. So we want to open up that conversation. If you enjoy the episode, hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. So it makes a huge difference to us and we're always grateful. And also don't forget to get in touch if there's anything you want to hear us discuss, if you have any thoughts on recommendations, anything at all, all the details are in the show notes. Welcome back. Welcome. Oh my God. How The fact that it's only been like two weeks or three weeks, I don't even know, but it feels like it's been months. It feels like it's been absolute months. It has only been a few weeks, but I think because it's just, I don't know, I feel like a lot has happened in the past few weeks for both of us. And so there's a lot to unpack. (laughs) There's a lot of exciting (laughs) things. And today feels like the first day of autumn. We have had, I think, five or six days of consecutive temperatures over 30 degrees. So if you're outside of the UK, um, you probably don't, you might not be familiar with the fact that we can't cope with the heat in the UK. So it's been, my my flat was actually 32 degrees. The thermostat said that inside. Oh, God, no, that is yeah. not fun. Uh, it was horrific. But now it's overcast, it's drizzling, it's a balmy 19 degrees. And I'm very excited about it. <laughs> Genuinely do think if, if air conditioning was more common in the UK, people would whinge about the heat less because everyone always wants oh, the yeah. sun, right? In the UK, we always complain about the rain. And then when there's sun, everyone hates it because there is literally no way to keep a comfortable temperature. Oh yeah, like you're just constantly clammy. You don't get any good sleep. And also just working when it's 32 degrees, like it's really hard to focus. So yeah, we're in autumn now, hopefully, and I'm very happy. But how was your 30th? Oh, I can't believe I'm 30. I'm too I'm too young to be 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it it was it was amazing. It was an incredible uh two weeks. We were in Thailand and I really tried to like, make sure that I did I made it my goal to do something different like every day. Like whether that was trying a new food or whether it was a really cool activity or yeah, loads of different stuff. We went like ATV riding. I watched Muay Thai which side note is not like wrestling um I always like, thought it was like what wrestling I always I, know, I saw your story I today I thought it was like wrestling oh my god I saw people actually get knocked out it was That's interesting okay. but like I mean free diving fire shows we went on long boat rides with canoeing we did a lot of incredible stuff we also had some very torrential rain like rainy season is no joke here <laughs> It was it was pretty dire. I mean, even the locals said it was quite extreme. Like usually the weather passes through really quick. Um, but we had a couple of interesting boat trip days where I was just like a miserable gremlin in a waterproof on a speedboat yeah. that was hit, hitting waves so far. <laughs> Which is why on my actual birthday we stayed in a really really beautiful like hotel that has villas over a lagoon and we actually just did nothing we chilled we oh, ordered pizza okay. to the room we swam in the pool um yeah it was it was beautiful um, oh I love that but it feels like we've been gone for weeks now we're back in Vietnam 
it, it genuinely feels I've got like the back to school feeling because it's September and that was always around my yeah. birthday and we've come back to Vietnam we've moved into a new apartment we're here for the next month it feels like new school term <laughs> yeah I get that I get that but you've had some exciting stuff going on we've got a new uh, we've got a new member of the podcast family little Lulu our rescue cat so cute so cute she is the sweetest little thing we adopted her I don't know two three weeks ago now um she has bags of character um is a complete little mischief but is the sweetest little thing she was abandoned in a suitcase heavily pregnant um it was very sad and then everyone wanted her kittens but didn't want her so we were like uh no we want her so she has absolutely stolen our hearts she's tiny even though she's an adult and she's just like the funniest little character um and it's also it's also the sweetest thing watching her and Alex because Alex has never had a pet before so like he gets home from work and he's so excited to see her and she like sits there and kind of stares at him all night and like oh it's just the sweetest little thing yeah so cute I cannot wait to meet her one day I can't wait for you to meet her you are gonna love her she is just so like she takes a few minutes to warm up to you but then she is so affectionate like purring headbutting making bread like so quickly honestly any affection I'm happy with because we all know my cat is a bit of an asshole his affection is not something that he dishes out at all so I will take any cat love I think your cat's still angry at me from like 10 years ago when we were drunk and I picked him up. And I think he's just like, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holds a grudge miraculously. <laughs> Until it comes to dinner time. Oh, God. But yeah, I'm so excited for like autumn. I've got that back to school feeling. Like it's been a bit of a chaotic few weeks to say the least. So um, I also injured my foot in the most ridiculous way ever with a pair of stupid shoes. I, it got infected really long story short so I've ended up like on really strong antibiotics um and I've had to like keep it elevated and I can't wear any proper shoes at the moment <laughs> they'll want to so, see these shoes that did this to your foot I'm gonna send you a photo of the shoes I sent you a photo of the um infection yes I did see that thank you I will send you a photo nice. of the shoes the worst part is I've worn these shoes with you and you almost wore them on Becky's Hendu this is and like I wore them to a wedding last year and I didn't have a single problem so how it was so severe this time I will never know but needless to say they're going um but like it's meant I've not been able to go to the gym and obviously I've just felt really unwell these antibodies so I'm also allergic to penicillin did you know that I keep I uh, forget that penicillin someone I know is allergic to penicillin I didn't think it was you so I only found out as an adult um like re- like in the past few years but anyway I've been prescribed these really strong antibiotics that aren't penicillin but they make you feel nauseous and they give you a metallic taste in your mouth so yesterday morning when I woke up with both of these things I was like <gasps> oh my god what am I gonna do and then I googled it and it was like no it's just like the two most common side effects of this penicillin of this um antibiotics oh that's that's fun that is fun Yes, that was really fun. I, I just have that horrible metallic. If anyone's ever had it for any reason, they'll know how horrible it is. Like, there's nothing you can do to get rid of the metallic taste. Um, oh. And I, I'm basically just chewing gum constantly, but it's not so fun, but my foot is healing. So I'm very ready to get back into like a healthy routine of just like 
not even like total like 100% health but just eating vegetables and moving my body and all of those sorts of things so yeah, yeah. definitely back to school vibes yeah yeah I'm excited to be back into a routine as well I've as much as eating out every day is fun uh I also it's also not healthy also I reach a point where I just want to eat at home or in my own like environment yeah having breakfast in our own place this morning was amazing like such well, a simple pleasure we did that in New York we went out to like get Starbucks but we ate inside our hotel room every day and we said it's just quite nice to like feel like you have a properly like slower start and you don't have to be completely ready before you can even think about going out the door or like mm. I don't know just feels cozy yeah yeah we should do an episode on autumn routines and getting cozy again because we talk about it every year oh yeah we should that'd be really nice we'll add it to the list um what is your recommendation for this week my recommendation is a book again um but this is actually the only physical book that I brought with me to Vietnam because I got it for my birthday before I left the UK and it's a memoir called The Ugly Cry by Danielle Henderson who is a she's a US TV writer uh former editor um, has done amazing things and she's written this memoir of her growing up as a black girl in a predominantly white town in northeast US and basically one day her when she's about 10 years old her mum drops her off at her grandma's for the weekend and then never comes back for her and her brother so she ends up being raised by her grandmother who is just this like belligerent like foul mouth proper tough love like is so so wonderful but also just this foul mouth hilarious it's the old woman who thinks that like her child rearing days are long behind her and now she's got two, <laughs> two kids who are like primary school aged and her and her daughter's like pissed off and left them on her doorstep like there's a lot there's a lot of anger and resentment there but also like unconditional love for her grandchildren and then as you can imagine like being brought up in that kind of town it's also she covers a lot of topics of like racism, abuse, mental health issues. Also, she tells those stories through the eyes of how she saw them as a 10-year-old. So she didn't have the name for, they like, didn't know what racism was. She just like, yeah, like the first time someone called her an N-word at school and she went up to her grandma and was like, what does this mean? And her grandma was like, who the hell said that to you? And then like the the mental health issues that she she deals with but she doesn't know how to articulate what they are so she's got this kind of I really honestly heard her voice and I think that's why I loved it so much because I could just hear like not just the colloquial like language that she was using but just you can understand it like, as a child how do you put into words something that you don't understand fully yet but then at the same time it's absolutely hilarious like I was laughing out loud at, like the relationship she has with her grandmother is just beautiful like some of the just the little memories that she has and you can just see like the way she tells them you can tell that she's a writer because it's just so engaging so yeah you but it's a really really beautifully told story despite the fact that it's only really covering like not even 20 years of her life more like 15 years of her childhood into early adulthood um and yeah I just I thought it was like a really fantastic memoir I don't read them often also I couldn't find it on ebook which is why I read I got a physical before I left 
That sounds really special. It sounds like one of those stories that, well, not stories, but like one of those memoirs or something like that that you read and it stays with you for a really long time. Yeah, and I can't like say there was one particular, like there's no big story or there's no like big climactic ending or it's not like you're reading a work of fiction and there's some like big reveal. It was just a really like heartwarming, but also like enlightening. And yeah, it was a really, really beautiful book to read. That's reality though, right? Like there isn't always that like crescendo moment and that big thing that happens or some Mm. resolution. Sometimes it's just you are where you are. And I think hearing that story from that younger perspective is a really interesting thing because so often when you read memoirs or stories, it's adults looking back and you almost using that adult mindset and adult Mm. vocabulary to describe it. Yeah. Whereas to lean into the fact that she didn't really have the tools and the understanding at that age is really interesting because I think it also highlights that kind of like I don't know if naivety is the right word but that kind of innocence you have as a child like curiously asking her grandmother what does that word mean yeah because she doesn't attach meaning to it at that point so I think that's really interesting yeah no it's a really really great book definitely recommend giving it a read um what's your recommendation I actually really struggled to pick just one this week, but I'm going to go with a Netflix documentary. As we know, at the start of the summer, anyone who's listened will know that I got into the Tour de France. I got into cycling in a big way. Um, I loved Unchained. And I don't know whether this is a recent release or one that I've just never noticed before, but within the space of a couple of days, I had quite a few people recommend to me um, Mark Cavendish Never Enough. It is a documentary that follows Mark Cavendish um, from... Basically, throughout the last few years, it looks at the some of the accidents he had and how he went from being like the greatest cyclist and almost beating the all time like record for the Tour de France um, with like the number of yellow jerseys and stage wins he had, etc. To really like not performing anywhere near that peak and losing sponsorships and being cut from teams and having to. Um, really really fight to get back in a race and it wraps up just before Tour de France this year so you get to the end of the documentary obviously not knowing that he had to pull out of the Tour de France from injury on like day eight or nine Um, Mm. he talks really really frankly about the experience of being like a pro athlete and it really focuses on his mental health it interviews him and his I don't know if she's his wife or his partner but the mother of his children, who he is with, um, they both talk very candidly about the whole experience. He and he's like they have interviews with his sports psychologist, with different team managers, about how you go from being at the absolute pinnacle to having a couple of crashes where he almost died. Mm. Um, and they obviously everything on the Tour de France is recorded it's live so they have the footage of those moments in the crashes and some of the crashes he was in were horrific like the sorts of things you see where you go how do you get up and walk away from that um he speaks Mm -hmm. very frankly about um his disordered eating habits depression um anxiety and I have a lot of time for when particularly male sports personalities talk about this I think there is not enough talk about it within the sporting world but also men generally we know that men don't talk about their mental health enough um so it was a really brilliant watch it was emotional but really heart heartwarming I think even if you aren't 
even if you aren't a huge fan of cycling or you don't particularly like or know Mark Cavendish, there is something really special about watching a sports documentary in this way, I think, because it shows you like a really vulnerable side of just human beings and how you never know when things are going to change. And actually everyone has like big struggles. He talks about how on the surface, it's like, how could you possibly complain about your life? But the reality is he was leaving his newborn baby a week after it was born. Mm-hmm. And talking of those sacrifices and like, how do you, how do you kind of rationalize that in your own mind when you know that you're also not performing at peak? It's so interesting um, and just a fascinating look at another side of the industry. I have no idea who recommended this to me, but it's it did come out in August on Netflix and um, someone must have recommended it because it's on my watch list. Um, I might I just... have texted you telling you as soon as I watched it. Maybe you did. How long did you watch it quite a while ago? I watched it. I must have. It was I watched it the day before we wrapped recording for our last series of the podcast because I meant to recommend it and totally forgot. Maybe it was you regardless it is new and I have not watched it but I do want to watch it I just I, I do think it's so fascinating and like how much rides on like when you're at that level of elite sport like how much rides on your shoulders and not just like mm-hmm. in, within the sport itself but like your entire team who have also sacrificed so so much then you've got like sponsors and companies that you work with and all of that goes away if you don't perform. So then you've got that additional pressure as well. I I do think it's such a fascinating, fascinating world. And I do really want to watch it, especially now, like obviously knowing what happens in the Tour de France. It honestly was heartbreaking watching it, looking at him kind of being quite optimistic going into the Tour de France and knowing that within a week of it, he was out. Um, and I don't know if he's actually formally said that he will never come back, but the coverage at the time is very much that's my last race um yeah which must be so difficult to reconcile because to retire in your 30s is mad yeah yeah but then also when when do you want to go like I saw the other day at the the um world athletics that like Mo Farah came fourth in his final this was final race before he retires yeah how do you know like, do you want to go on a high, in which case that might mean retiring earlier? Or do you keep going, like, if you feel like you can? I, don't, I think it's, it's, I can't wrap my head around how that thought process must work if you're at that level of sport. But I do think yeah. it's such a huge decision. No, I would really recommend. There are so many brilliant sports documentaries on Netflix. I love a good sports documentary. If anyone else has a recommendation of one I should watch, please let me know. We've made our way through most of the Untold series now. Um, and... Uh- a few others recently have you watched the free diving one no but that is on the list and so is the surfing one that's on amazon prime and it's been done by hello sunshine oh i have not watched the free diving one i really want to but i i already know because i already know the story from like real life when it happened i'm i don't know if i can deal with the stress of watching watching the the documentary about it I really want to watch it because I'm fascinated by it, but I'm quite scared of open water. And so I don't know whether I would find it a bit too stressful. Maybe I'll give it a go. I mean, if it makes you feel better, it's not technically in open water. They're diving in caves. 
yeah no that doesn't actually make me feel better (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the water thing but anyway shall we get into this week's topic because I'm really excited to discuss this one I think it's a nice juicy one yes yes we've been talking well I feel like we've seen it come up a lot recently uh the topic of hate following and we've seen it spoken about quite a lot and we I guess wanted to weigh in on it as well because I think we've we've spoken a lot on the podcast before about curating your social media and like the power of unfollowing or muting and like taking control of what you're consuming online but there's also this other aspect of spending time online of of hate following where you're following someone specifically to to hate on them to complain about them to hate on what they're doing or what they stand for or whatever it might be and we got talking about it and at first I think we were both like why would anyone ever hate follow but then we've also both kind of now come across instances where we have to some extent hate followed and I think it's really interesting to dig into how and why that's come about I think it's really nuanced as well because there's the type of hate following where you go out of your way to follow someone you hate or you dislike or you disagree with then there is that more kind of insidious following where maybe over time you realize that you don't really have your views aligned with that person anymore or um, it's like an influencer you follow online who maybe doesn't kind of match your style anymore whatever it is and you stay connected in that world but you realize that every single time you see their content you almost have that internal eye roll that like ugh, that horrible mm-hmm. like feeling and one of the things that sparked this conversation between us I was listening to the scandal series by Shameless which as a side note is amazing I was listening to the Anne Hathaway episode they were talking specifically about Hatha hate and how some people there's a group of people who absolutely hate Anne Hathaway and I found this fascinating because you and I are both big Anne Hathaway fans I know we've both always Mm. said that and I remember going to uni and one of our friends saying oh my god I hate her and not being able to explain why And since then, I've not come across anyone else who hates her until very recently when there's kind of been a bit of a resurgence of the Hatha hate. And I found it really interesting because it, I think a lot of it is like a natural human instinct of comparison. Like it's an extension of comparison in that whole mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's, I don't know, when I was reading about hate following, there's a lot of like science behind why we do it. Like when when you have some kind of emotion attached, you get kind of that buzz from the curiosity and that releases the dopamine mm. and the serotonin. And I do think particularly from a female perspective uh, where a lot of emotions and especially like your emotions when you're spending time online are tied up in that comparison, it then means that that initial buzz you get from the curiosity and that kind of dopamine hit of, looking at someone else's life then is it doesn't really account for what the motivation is from that curiosity and a lot of the time it is that comparison and is that kind of that hate motivation of why do they have something that I don't have or why are they successful in this and I haven't been able to do that and I I do definitely feel like it is something that you see more in the female area I mean when you're thinking about half hate I'm also thinking about Taylor Swift and how for years so many people hated Taylor Swift for like again no real like discernible reason oh she sings about men well so does so do half the singers on the planet like I don't know it's weird 
It's really interesting as well, I think, if you think of it from the perspective of when you don't like someone or when you find someone annoying or abrasive, it's because they're reflecting back to you something you see in yourself that you don't like. This was something I first heard as a concept maybe about a year to 18 months ago. And ever since then, I've tried to use it whenever I don't like someone. And it's really interesting as like a self-exploration activity. But I think it's really relevant to this as well, because when you think of people maybe who you have followed or you've hate followed, you almost want to know why they are so annoying or why they are so out of touch, because then you don't you might not be like that. You can kind of use them as your barometer, like an external barometer to go, oh, okay, so that is annoying. Therefore, other people might find it annoying and therefore I'll pull back that person, my personality, or I will bear that in mind. And I don't think it's always as conscious as that, but I don't see how that can't play into it as well, because we are by nature a group of animals who like to compare. We like to know we're part of the pack. And if we can see why someone is being hated on, we would want to understand why to avoid it for ourselves. It's an inclusion thing. Yeah, there's definitely, I think, a subconscious need to I think know more about yourself by following a person that you don't like. And it's almost yeah. that like trying to, you're driven by a desire to like disprove, disapprove mm-hmm. of what they're doing. You're trying to find something to disapprove of so that then you feel more justified in I don't know, the the jealousy, the the feeling like they're not deserving of something or even just the plain comparison of figuring out why someone is either really similar to us or completely different from us. Like we're watching because we think we have that like subconscious need to compare a certain part of ourselves or oh, we are not comfortable with a certain part of ourselves that maybe we see reflected back in some way. It's that being comfortable thing, isn't it? I think even if there's a quality in yourself or a habit that you don't like, you it's not always something that needs to change, but I think it's sometimes a case of recognizing it in yourself and learning to be comfortable with it, or maybe even a part of your identity that you're not particularly comfortable with and almost seeing how someone else can become comfortable with it is in itself quite interesting. Like how is it that they don't care that they're really out of touch or that they um clearly a burnt out or they don't prioritize whatever it is I think it's reassuring to see other people in the same boat almost like a almost a bit like a oh look I know I'm not perfect but she's definitely not perfect yeah like oh look how much she's failing at this specific this specific thing yeah don't you think as well there's a real part of this that's that classic social media thing if you only see a snippet of someone's life and so you can sit here and go well they might have a huge house but I would so much rather you know have integrity because you've seen them do a brand partnership that you don't think is authentic to them and therefore you have kind of assumed from that that they've got this one thing you want but they don't have this thing you prize more that almost puts you on a moral high ground. And I think that's a really dangerous part of this because we can't know the whole story. We can't know the whole context and neither are we entitled to it. Um, But I think often that spurs on the hate following because you go, look, this person. And I think it's often with material things, like this person might have this material thing, like money, a certain job, a certain holiday, whatever, but they don't have this more 
kind of untangible thing that puts me on a moral high ground whether it's the fact that I have people who love me or people or like I know I've got integrity I'm a good person whatever it is whatever you assume it is that they don't have it almost makes you just feel a bit better about the fact that maybe you're not measuring up to who you thought you wanted to be or who you thought you would be and that ties exactly back to that whole like the scientific basis for it like you you get that feel-good hormone like that buzz from the curiosity so you initially feel better like oh I don't measure up but like look at look at them failing at doing this or look they've they've got this, all of this money or they're successful in this but they're not a very nice person you get that initial buzz and that's that is like the the hormone like the scientific side of it but then afterwards like when that wears off you then you don't feel better for it you don't feel good for for thinking those things and for following someone and or hate following them because of those motivations and I do feel like this is almost a it's like a new age, like Heat magazine, right? They just, yes. like, that was, I mean, I say was, is how the media sells papers and magazines. They they write these things about celebrities who have been very successful or have done very well or who are very good at what they do, but they just love a story that's, oh, look, look how much weight she's put on or look how drunk this person was or this person's cheated on this person. And people lap it up because it's essentially a hate follow. It means that they can feel better about themselves because look at this successful person failing at this part of their lives. Also, even if that successful person is failing and you're failing, your failure is a lot more private than theirs. They've got to do it on a much bigger stage. Like think of how many celebrities have had babies and not quote unquote snapped back to their pre-baby body within a couple of months. If you're postpartum and you are struggling with your body image, and not because you feel like you need to maybe like you know you don't need to lose weight per se but like you you're just not comfortable with what your body looks like now versus how it did a year ago seeing a celebrity get slated for it almost gives you that thing of like I'm at my rock bottom but it could be worse Mm -hmm. and yeah it's also I think an interesting one when you obviously we've spoken a lot about influencers and celebrities but I think there's a lot of hate following that goes on in real life and by that I mean like people you went to school with people you used to work with more distant family members and I've had to make quite a conscious effort over the past few years to make sure I'm not following people I went to school with because that comparison would really creep in and it was just it was horrible for me and I was putting out an energy that I didn't like but I realized that it it was a hate follow and it was, it would be something. And I, I imagine this is really common. Like I'm not proud of it, but I think it's probably quite common that you would see someone you went to school with saying they're having a baby and you go, Oh God, well, sucks to be you. My life is way better. I'm like, I'm way happier Mm. in my life. I've got freedom. I've got money. I can travel. I can do this. My job's really cool. And it's like, Oh, all of those things can be true, but I should, be grateful and enjoying those truths irrespective of what anyone else is doing mm-hmm. because it doesn't make them less than and it doesn't make me more than and so I yeah. think you've got to you've almost got to try and break that cycle to go and if you can't literally unfollow them especially if it's like work colleagues or I don't know family members I think that's where things like muting and all of that sort of thing come into play because at the end of the day, they're probably not doing anything wrong. Cause I think there's a big difference between hate following and seeing people who are just, I don't know, dickheads basically. And yeah. when I say that, 
I mean like ones we can all agree on who are problematic and just Jesus Christ, like Jeff Bezos of the world, Elon Musk's, you know, like that that's the level I'm talking about. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's a hate follow. I think when you do it knowing that you're almost going to press the bruise of comparison, as it were, that that's where it's mm-hmm. that's where it's kind of like some icky energy in there. And this is, I think, is so interesting because I've really tried to sit with and like figure out. I wouldn't say that I have many hate follows, but the hate follows that I can see, it's interesting where they've developed because I made a very yeah. conscious effort to unfollow, get rid, cut off anyone who, like anyone from from school that was really toxic or really like problematic or bullied me or upset me. Like I would say after university, I probably did a very good job of curating my socials. I would say it's since I started working in social media, people that I have then met on social media and some of them have now, because, and again, I think it is exactly that I've fallen into a comparison trip because now those people that I follow who are maybe in the travel space or who are maybe digital nomads or maybe are running a business that looks a bit similar to mine. I don't see a lot of that in see the relationships with like people that I went to school with but I do see it online and it now means I've accidentally fallen into like that comparison trap with people who are doing similar things to me and some of those based on whatever it is in like I obviously feel that maybe I'm lacking subconsciously some of those have become hate follows and I think it's interesting that I can see that's happened because I did not have an issue with that before I started working like online that's so interesting isn't it like that conscious act of not following people who don't bring you joy or who don't bring you peace but then the line gets blurred because I do think a lot of the time it is a kind of I don't know it's almost like you go off of someone yeah but you can't not look that's that's my issue as well especially if it's people I've met in real life I'm then like well god I can't and follow them can I because that just looks awful like we both spend all of our time on social media like in, in, exactly what you were saying like if it's colleagues it's a similar it's a similar thing isn't it yeah yeah because I guess you have a very different dynamic with your colleagues than I would have with mine due to the nature like of how different our works are like mine's a very traditional corporate environment whereas yours is still very much in it's like not your career per se but like your industry is still very much in its infancy so you kind of you almost need those benchmarks because we as human beings we want to compare ourselves and I think it gets more pronounced as we get a bit older because we have less of those like common factors to align on because we're all going in different directions so it kind of makes sense that if you find someone who might either consciously or subconsciously reflect the parts of your personality you're worried about or you're self-conscious about that Mm. you would then want to keep tabs on it yeah and this, see, this makes far more sense to me than like hate following influencers or celebrities. I genuinely don't think I hate follow any influencers or, or celebrities. And like, that's why the concept of like, oh. that, like Tassel Life website blows my mind that there's entire forums dedicated to like hating on people because you can just I genuinely know. click on follow. Like those people don't know you exist. You can leave. <laughs> I find it fascinating. I think that though is like no one who is happy in their life is doing that. That sounds patronizing, but I think it's true. Like, and, and the same goes, and I know we've discussed it before, and you and I have said it so many times, if you're sitting there bitching about someone, it's reflecting something in your own life you're not happy about. Like, 
when you are truly happy and at peace, you're not bitching. Um, and I think the same goes for things like this. Like if you are happy and you're fulfilled and you are content, you're like, it would never even cross my mind to be seeing something on Instagram and then going onto a separate website to write something hateful. And then after all of that actually hit submit, that's mm. the part that baffles me. Um, and I'm kind of okay that I don't understand that, you know, like I don't think that in itself is a bad thing, but oh yeah, I think it's, it's kind of one of those guilt, not guilty pleasures per se, maybe it is a guilty pleasure, but more Some of people us, it must be. Yeah, that more of us are involved in than I think we would like to say or realize. I know M. Clarkson did a story about it and I accidentally hit, yes, I hate follow. And I was shocked by the percentages, like more people hate follow than didn't. And then I was like, oh God, as if I clicked the wrong one, like I would never hate follow. And then obviously we had these conversations and I was like, oh, actually like I'm not squeaky clean. Um, People like to think that they don't hate follow. Like everyone, everyone does. Yeah, it's a bit like being like, oh, I would never, I don't know. I can't think of an example, but like I'd never not put my trolley back at the supermarket. But sometimes people do that. I don't do that because that actually really stresses me out, the idea of it running into someone's car. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Love that as a comparison. I couldn't think of one. Like, I just couldn't think of, like, a single, like, gross human being thing. So, although I'm sure I'm guilty of millions of them. Um. Anyway... I think that leaves it in a good place for today. We want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Let us know. Is there anyone you hate follow? Um, you don't need to tell us who, by the way, but we just love to oh, know. Oh, yeah, no. Again, I don't really care who. I'm just fascinated by it all. Um, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. So please do hit subscribe so it lands in your inbox next Wednesday. But until then, have a great week and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.